Good morning. Wow. I mean, it's like 11 o'clock. Are we awake? I was thinking, Drew, as I was listening to... Where'd he go? He left. Anyway, I was thinking, I was listening to this, and, and I, I, you ever feel like dancing? Can we do that here? Yeah. You wouldn't want to see me cut the rug, man. I would go. I mean, that's like, yes. So the question, and this is... A, a, um, we're following up on what we did last week. What are you for? What are you for? I mean, you know, I have one desire. And this is sort of my life, but this is my desire. I would hope that when you left here and you were meeting someone during the week, you could say, you know, I learned something about myself this week or I heard this and it really impacted me. And, and the person says, well, where did you hear it? I, I was at church. Well, who was it? I don't know. I forget his name. The little guy, he comes around, but I, you know, I don't know what his name was. That would be a joy to me because what we are for should be what, not about our names, but, but about our lives, about the essence of what we believe and what we march to. Does that make sense? I mean, I think of some of the people that were significant in my life and it was about what they did. I, I was, I, there's a song I have to pull it out of my, not the whole song, the song's on my phone. But uh, Chris Tomlin did a song called Jesus Loves Me, okay? And I love the lyrics, uh, and particularly the, vo- the, the, the chorus. He says, I couldn't run, I couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, I couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He's for me. He's for me. I can remember the first time I heard that song or, or actually listened to the song and I heard that statement, He's for me. I actually wept. Wept. Because when you recognize that someone is for you, that they're celebrating you, that they're lifting you up, that they're an encouragement to you, it feels good. And sometimes when we look at ourselves in the mirror as only we can, we see ourselves for who we really are. We see ourselves for, for all the things that is hidden from everyone else. And so, the, the, perhaps a different way of, of saying this title would be, what will you leave behind? Because what you're for will be left behind in others. As I've watched some of you with your children, I, I, and some of you are bouncing your children, and, and I'm thinking, those kids are going to learn music. You know, they're going to lo- learn uh, to respond. There's others that are... I, I grew up in a musical family, okay? The eight kids, we all sang. We did four-part harmony. We did all... So music was like normal in our home. I I was at a birthday party for one of our great-granddaughters, and I listened to her grandfather, my son-in-law, sing. Poor guy, he wasn't given the gift. (laughs) I didn't tell him that, but it was the first time I've noticed that, and they've been married for 30 years. And, And, you know, it's like, it's just life. Just, I talked about you, Drew. Yeah, that was good. It was all good. So, if you remember, last week we looked at this verse, Matthew sixteen thirteen through 15. Then Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he asked them pointedly, Then who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who do others say you are? You see, 
as people who identify themselves with being a Christian, we should live a life (coughs) that demonstrates and emulates a relationship with God the Father, shouldn't it? It should look that way. But you all know, you've heard expressions like, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. Personally, I don't want to be in that place that someone says that about me. But guess what? I probably have been. You know why? Because sometimes I'm a jerk. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She can tell you. I am pig-headed, bull-headed, annoying. I, I shared in the earlier service, I sometimes do things to my wife just to annoy her. Go, nice guy like me does that. She'll put her hat and coat and gloves on, and I'll say, are you going outside? And she'll look at me like, well, duh. You know, well, maybe it was cold in the house and I didn't notice. I don't know, you know. I'll ask her dumb questions. Anyone? Don't tell me. Never mind, I don't want to know. So, the question, what do others say about you? Why is that so important anyway? Why is it important to know that? Well, part of the reason is that everything we say reflects who we are and what we stand for. Everything that comes out of our mouth. And I'll tell you what, some things that come out of our mouths aren't uplifting. They're not edifying. They're not wholesome. Why? Because we're human. We're human. One of the problems I have learned in couples and marriages is the fact that they grew up in separate homes. In other words, every family has its rules, spoken and unspoken. And and when two people get married, they they come together with a set of values (laughs) that often clash. Often clash. My wife and I have been married since second grade, I think. 55 years. And, um, you know, I can't believe that because I've, I've brought her up pretty well, you know. <laughs> but who we are, and I've thought of it, I was just thinking about this the other day. We've been married so long that we are really becoming like each other, okay. She wears the hair in a family. Um, but seriously, everything we reflect, every, everything that we do reflects on who we are. Everything we do reflects on what we stand for. And that's not always a good thing. Our posture, what we wear, our mannerisms, how we respond to things, everything about ourselves says something. I I said last week about our clothing and what we wear tells others about who you are. I I am, I I tend to be an electronics guy, gizmo guy, okay? Um, But there are some things I just don't want to do. I just don't like to do it. doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means I don't like to do it. So we are what we say. We are what we do. We are what we watch. We are what we read. And when it comes to news channels, if I sit and talk to you for a while about politics, about current events, I can probably figure out which news channel you listen to. Right? Because it's who we become, it's who we are. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if we are trying to communicate Christ, it can be a barrier. It can be a real barrier. Whatever you ingest on a regular basis, you will regurgitate on a regular basis. 
Now we want to say that we are, well, we're loving and we're kind and we're, we're open to all things until it moves in next door. Now think about this. We live in a very, what kind of a community? Redneck, white, right? So where you live, the house next door to you suddenly has a whole family of Hispanics. Now you don't know where they're from. They're just Hispanics in your mind because they may be from Puerto Rico. They could be from uh, the Dominican. They could be, be from any kind of place. They could be just from Philadelphia, right? But what do we? What do you think is the common thing that will come up in our minds? I wonder if they're here legally. We will, because that is what society and our news is talks about all the time. It doesn't matter what ethnic group it is. I can remember um, back when nine um, eleven, uh, the psychiatrist that I worked with was from Pakistan. And when 9-11 happened, guess what happened to him within a couple days? The FBI was in Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, interviewing a guy from Pakistan because of 9-11. Who are you? Why are you here? How long have you been in the country? All that stuff. And I can remember his, you know, he, we talked about it later. How did that feel? Didn't feel good. Everything that he was about and everything that he was doing, and just because he was from Pakistan and just because he was born a Muslim... He was in the hot seat. Now, we, we, we'd say that, well, we're loving and we're caring and we represent Christ and, and, and we wouldn't do that. Yeah, we do. You see, what we're for is often about what and how we've been brought up. But if you want to change that, you're going to have to be stretched with new ideas, new things. And it's not easy. Okay, It's not easy to be stretched. If you don't believe me, let's get together and I will try some things out with you to stretch you. We live in a culture that is stretching us all the time. And the question is about the church and about us as individuals, since we are the church, is what are you for? Are you really for me? You see, God the Father says, I am for you. And as a matter of fact, my son died for you. That's how much he's for you. That's how significant you are in his life. There's a, there's a verse, Romans 8.28. We often hear it with, um, with um, yeah, just went. For we know that all things work together to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You've heard it that way, probably, Romans 8.28 and 29. But here's a different translation. It's called the Passage Translation. And I love it because it says here, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Now, we read stuff like that and we say, well, wait a minute. What about the stuff that I'm going through? I have, my wife and I have three daughters and they are not all the same. Right? If you have children, you know that they're not all the same. And when they grow up, you look at them and go, I think that one was adopted. I I don't know where she came from. Right? My middle daughter, her sisters told her she was. She wasn't, but they convinced her. So I have three daughters, and they are all different. And you wonder, well, how did that happen? But, but the writer here is saying, for we are lovers who have been filled, called to fulfill his designed purpose. We've been called to fulfill the purpose of who? Of God, not our lives. Him. 
For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his Son, that we are created in his image. So what we are for ought to be related to who he is. That's the bottom line. And yet often we're, we're so focused on careers and families and all the other things that we get, we get lost in our purpose. We get lost in what God has called us into. You see, we were created from the beginning to be his, in his likeness. Now, that doesn't mean that you can go in front of the mirror in the bathroom and go, you're pretty good, dude, right? You're awesome. No, I think the thing is, and the scripture talks about this, is looking at the scripture as a mirror into our souls to see who we really are. The reality is, is that when we are honest with who we are, we will come up to the understanding of this is why I need a savior, because I am ugly on the inside. Ugly in the sense that I'm not perfect. I have my flaws. I have my fears. I have my insecurities. Think about this. Whatever we're for should be a reflection of whatever Jesus was for. Whatever he was for, we should be for. Now, I, I, there was a time in my life that I was a Baptist, and I was right. That's a joke. But seriously, I, I coined a phrase, and you may have heard me use this before, that we are the most dangerous to the kingdom of God when we're right. And the problem with being right is, if I'm right, you must be wrong. And because I was right, I was right on the translation of the Bible, I was right on how passages were and what they meant, and all of that, that I became condemning to others. In other words, what I was for was a sense of righteousness, like a Pharisee. And in so doing, I became like Paul, I I thought I was a defender of the faith when I was destroying faith. And the problem was is that what I was thinking I was for wasn't for God. It wasn't for the love of God. It was for perfection. And by the way, in case you're ever wondering, you're not perfect. We're none, None of us are perfect. Ultimately, I have been created to reflect the image of God. And one of the things that I know is that God so loved the world that he gave. And that part of reflecting God is giving. Giving what? Giving honor and love and respect to others. Doesn't mean that I have to agree with them, but I have to love them where they're at. One of the best things you can do is cause a person to be affirmed. Children need that. They need to feel valued. They need to feel significant. And when we, when we lose that, you see, when you're, when you're causing a person to feel significant and valued and have worth, they blossom, they grow, they, they come up out of their shells. And that's what God does with us. The, the question of, why am I here? You know, Jesus simply came to do the will of the Father. That's what he said. I came to do the will of the Father, not to do my own will. Someday, every one of us is going to die. Some before others, but we're all going to the same place. And I guess the question is, and I used this before, is the question is, what am I going to leave behind? Well, whatever I'm going to leave behind is what I'm for today. 
And I would hope that what we leave behind is a legacy of people who want to follow Christ, not follow us. You see, when I think about some of the things in the stories of the scriptures, it reminds me of what I need to learn how to do more of. Remember the story of the prodigal son? That story about the, the son who had spent and squalored his, all his earnings and monies and into living a, well, maybe a life like a lot of people try to live today. And he was off far away and he was drinking and carousing and, and, and doing drugs and doing whatever he was doing. And the father was sitting at home going, oh, no good son of mine. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, oh. No, he wasn't. He was doing what? Looking for him. Welcoming him. And I look at that, that whole story and I, and I hear the part of the elder son and the elder son when the younger son came, brother came home and, and a meal was planned and he was celebrated and the older one is going, I shouldn't have been that way. I've been here the whole time. And what the story of the prodigal son tells me is about what God was doing. You see, what God is saying, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, I love you. Come home. It doesn't matter what you've done. I love you. Come home. Why? Because he's for us. And the older son should have known that God was for him. But we're like the older son. Sometimes we're like that son. Well, why are they getting all the breaks? Why are they getting all the accolades? Why are they getting the good job? Why are they getting? Why are they? Why? 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 It reminds me of a message I heard years ago. Hoe in your own row. What does that mean? Take care of the, own, the weeds in your life. Don't worry about someone else's. How about the woman that was caught in adultery? The focus wasn't upon the law, but upon mercy. That's what God was giving. Jesus was giving mercy. The rest of us, the rest of the religious, were trying to give the law. She should be stoned. And God said, no, she needs mercy, because I'm for her. I'm dying for her. I, my son died for her. How about the woman? Boy, you got quiet. How about the woman at the well? I mean, think about this. The woman at the well, she is in Samaria, and she is a Samaritan woman, a place that no good Jew would ever go, and a person that no good Jew would ever talk to. And where did Jesus go? He went into the tribe of Samaria, called a tribe, in the region. And he sat down and talked to a woman whom he shouldn't have talked to. The religious right would have said, no way, he's not one of us. But Jesus was saying, you are significant. In fact, what you're looking for, I've got. It's called living water. He didn't condemn her. And if you read the story, you know there's a lot of things society-wise that was against her. I mean, she'd had four husbands or five husbands. The man she was living with wasn't any of them. I mean, we'd go, that woman needs church. Not ours, though. I hope she goes somewhere else, you know? I mean, (laughs) but we do that. We like to be clean and neat. But God says, I'm for you regardless of of the garbage in your life and regardless of what's happened in your life. And we have, we sit here with secrets. We do. We sit with secrets. Personal sin that we've never told anyone about. Things that have happened to us that we've never told anyone about. And God is saying, in spite of that, I love you, I'm for you. And I want you to be for others. Because what we don't know is where they are and what they're going through. And they need Christ in a manner like we understand it. I like the story of Paul. Paul that, that I mean, he was a defender of Judaism. 
And one day he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I think that in some way Jesus had every right, if you will, or every whatever to just go annihilate him. And he didn't. He said, I'm the one you've been persecuting, Paul. Now get up because I've got some work for you to do. He used him in spite of his arrogance, in spite of everything that he had done against Christ. He said, I've got something for you to do because I'm for you. In fact, I was for you the day you were born. Even before you were in your mother's room, I was for you and I have called you for a purpose. Doesn't matter what you've done. And you see, one of the things, if we're going to be for people, if we are going to be for others, like God is for others, we're going to have to look beyond their stuff and see them as God sees them. The reality is that Jesus was different. Jesus was different. Listen, he stood out from the crowd. In fact, he didn't follow the crowd. Crowds were attracted to him. And the question is, what do you attract? What do you attract? What do you surround yourself with? I know sometimes we, we, we want to surround ourselves with people who already agree with us because it's easier. But I challenge you to agree, surround yourself with people who don't agree with you. Whether it's in a political way or, a, or, or faith way or whatever. So be around people who don't agree with you. You may find out that you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Could happen. But why? Why is that important? Because, because God surrounds himself with people. And he's constantly drawing himself, those to himself. Jesus didn't follow religion. He followed the Father. Remember that whatever the Father said for him to do, he did. It caused a big stir amongst the religious, didn't it? I mean, they were upset because he he didn't do it by the book. I was in a Sunday school, teaching Sunday school once. And, and a guy in the Sunday school class, he was visiting, he said, what translation are you using? I said, it's New American Standard. He got up and left, because I didn't have King James. Now, some of you are going, never heard anything like that. Well, it used to be that way. I put the passion, the translation, the passion up there. Some of you are going, is that really the word? Can I really trust that? One of the things about being religious is that when we are religious, we don't hear the Spirit of God speaking. Trust me, I've been there and I can struggle with being right. Because when I'm right, you must be wrong, right? No, not right. Listen, Jesus, he was different because he would heal when it wasn't allowed. Uh, He delivered people from demons and angered others because he did it. It disrupted their lives. He was chased out of towns because when people started to get right with God, they let go of their religion. And the religious were upset. He was envied, ridiculed, persecuted, but only by the religious folk. Not the ones who were in need. I mean, think of Christ. Christ is walking along and he says to Peter, come follow me. He was not a candidate for rabbinical school. Nor was James, nor were all the others that he called. They weren't the select, the few that would have gone on to rabbinical school. No, Jesus called them in a place of normalcy. Why? Because he was for them. Because they already knew that they needed him. They just didn't know it was him. Shouldn't all of that cause us to sit up and take notice and look at ourselves? A real hard look at ourselves? I mean, 
Think about your days in, in grade school when you were picking teams. Now, you were either on the one side of that spectrum or the other. You were either the popular kid that, that ignored everyone and only picked your friends, or you were the one that was never picked except at the very end. Neither one of those places were fun. So the question is, what do you want to be known for? I mean, if you were to ask yourself that question, and that's part of what I want you to leave here with, you need to be asking yourself that question every day. What do I want to be known for today? What do I want to be known for? Some of you work with people all the time. What do you want to be known for? The question is, what are you for? It should not be a political party. Now, some, some may find that hard to believe, but I don't think it's for a political party. I don't think your politics even matters. I don't think it matters to God. It shouldn't be about an earthly agenda. Your career, your education, who you're going to marry. All those may be important, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the end of your life, it's how you've lived it that's going to matter. Because nursing homes and retirement homes are often filled with people wondering if anyone knew who they used to be. I have a very close relationship with most of my grandchildren. But I've got a couple that I rarely, 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 rarely ever hear from. I had one of my grandsons call me yesterday. He's driving back from Georgia and he called me when he got into Pennsylvania and he said, Hey, are we going to meet for lunch? I said, I wish you'd let me know. I could have gone to Harrisburg and met you. He said, you wouldn't do that for your favorite grandson? I said, you're all my favorite. You say, I know. But here's the thing. One of my my goals, my personal goal is, is to, what am I going to leave behind in their life? Because they need to see what I'm for. And what I'm for will come out of maybe fishing times or camping times or quiet times with them. It should always be, whatever I'm for, should always be about the kingdom. The question of, Lord, how do I do this should be on our lips all the time. Lord, how do I respond to this, Lord? Lord, what do I do here? Why? Because if I'm for them, and if I'm for the gospel, and if I'm for the kingdom, then it must be reflected in how I behave and how I talk and how I listen even. Ultimately, Ultimately, it should be about others. It should be about others. And it should always reflect his agenda and his plan. Now, the hard part of this, the hard part of this is this. How's it working for you? In other words, doing the self-evaluation. It's looking at yourself and saying, Lord, how am I doing? If I were being graded by this, and I don't think that God has a grading system, but I think if I'm going to be graded by this, the question is, Lord, how am I doing? How's it working for me? What do I need to change? Now, what will happen is, is God will bring situations into your life to test you. And guess what? We often don't recognize it as that. We recognize it as annoying or frustrating or attacks on our patience or our goodwill or whatever. No, it's God trying to stretch us. How many of you love to be stretched? One. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't like to be stretched. I I get up from the couch. I know I don't want to be stretched. I'm like, oh, can't hardly walk sometimes. Here's 
as an as an older person, and some of you are getting there, a couple of you, Jim, you and I are there. If you don't lose use it, you will lose it. What does that mean? Keeping active, stretching the body, making things work when they don't want to work. It's life. It's about life. It's about being challenged. And if you're not being challenged, guess what? You're not growing. And God has called us to what? Grow in faith. He said, don't be alarmed about the things that come into your life. They give you opportunities for growth, for faith, and for patience, and all of those things. So as we close this, this whole idea of how's it working for you, Take time during today and during this week, just just particularly in the morning, Lord, how am I doing? And let Him speak to you. None of us are there. None of us are in that place of, of, I'm done. There's always new things to learn no matter how old you are. No matter how set in your ways you might be. God has a better and bigger plan. Because you are his testimony. You are his instruments. And he wants to, to use you as only you can be used. Because you're not me. And you will be in the lives of people that I will never ever see. And you have an opportunity by demonstrating how you live as what you are ultimately for. And they need to see that you're for them and that you're for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us Help us, Father, to to do that in a way that, that brings you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. up